The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Good evening or power. morning or afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. Welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast preview show uh, for round 17 versus North Melbourne. The game will be played on Saturday in the twilight at Head Stadium. Um, I'm Portia, and joining me this week is Fishing Rico Four. How are you, Rick? I'm awesome. Thanks for asking, Portia, and thank you for filling in for me on, on late notice on Monday night. But um, it was a bit wild and woolly up my way of the neck of the woods, and I wasn't sure if the net reception or our house was going to be there by the end of the podcast. Oh, well, was it? Just, yeah. Just. It was It was amazing. It was I reckon we clocked over 100 kilometre hour winds up at our, our place. It was um, oh it was actually scary at times. Yeah. But uh, the house is still there, so we're still there, so can talk about it now. Well, that's good. So how are you? You good? Yeah, yeah. A little bit crook, but uh, all right. Should be fine by the weekend, I hope. What did yeah. I miss out on Monday night quickly? Anything of interest? Oh, not really. Did, did no. Macca cry? No, he didn't cry. Oh. No one actually cried. I thought it was, it was a long podcast, though, quite long. Anyway, this is getting boring, so let's move along. Um, okay. Head straight into the hot topics. Um, then the first one is that both Matthew Lobby and Matthew White are back. For the yes, Magpies, at the, the SANFL. Anyway. And Snelling, and uh, Snelling's back as well. So that's three long-term well, injuries that's the, all back. That's probably the most important one, isn't it, Snelling? No, not really. <laughs> no? You don't think so? If I had to say which one was the most important, it's definitely White. Not Lobby? No, you know, I, you know my opinion on Lobie, I no, but White is definitely if he if he is able to get fit before the end of the year, that will be a worthwhile inclusion, I would say. We need his outside run, don't we? Yeah, especially with Pollock in the dumps, um, we desperately need him. Yes. If, he, if he can come back and perform, that'd be really good. Yes. What's mm. wrong with Pollock? I don't have know. You, have you un Have you uncracked the Da Vinci Code of Jared Pollock and what's going on there? We did discuss that on Monday night um, and we couldn't really come to a good conclusion. I guess um, I, I probably lean towards if he had a reputation for not working enough at Brisbane and he's got one at Port, then maybe that's the actual issue. Um, but as Macca pointed out, maybe he's just really still suffering from that foot injury. So um, I think so. Could be. Hopefully. Hopefully but, that's what it is. I mean, so what does this mean? Not, but yeah. Yes, yes, what does this mean for us with Lobie and White back? Um, I don't know. I think Lobie, at the very least, will play probably two or three games at SNFL level unless we start getting consistently smashed. And there is danger of that happening this week um, with the Goldstein as the opposing ruck. Um, but for White, <laughs> I'd say probably two games and he might have a chance of coming back in the top side depending on how he goes. So, yeah. Yeah. So you don't think either will be rushed back after a week? Um, I hope not. If one of them is, yeah. it might be white, but I think Lobby, I don't think they'll rush Lobby back. I think it'd be silly. Yeah, fair enough. Did, um, did uh, what's his name, uh, Mumford get rubbed out for any games last week? I don't know. I haven't followed that. Because Sorry. we got GWS. Yeah, well, it's yeah. just, I only remembered on Sunday night. So we got GWS in two weeks' time. So I guess if he was rubbed out, maybe uh, we wouldn't rush Lobby back. But anyway, who cares? We're talking about North Melbourne. Yeah, so look, um, as part of the 20th season, things that we're sort of doing at the club this week, oh, this year, sorry, 
Um, before we get into the actual last time we met and this week's game, just talk briefly about the first time they met, which was back in 1997. It was round eight, the 17th of May, and the game was at Prince's Park in Melbourne. Um, North Melbourne beat us, and of course they were playing in this game as the reigning premiers up against the newest team in the competition. So the fact that they only beat us by 28 points in the end was probably a little bit of a positive sign for us, particularly you know in round eight, uh, still fairly early in the season. Um, we were never really in this game. North kicked seven goals to our three goals, one in the first quarter. Um, they did stretch the lead a bit, but we sort of brought it back in the final quarter. And you could really see that the Kangaroos were very much in that reigning Premier's mode, where they were just doing what they had to do. Um, and also, they didn't have Wayne Carey. He was, uh, I think, I don't know if it was suspension or injury, but he wasn't playing in this game. So that kind of played into our hands a bit. Um, Shane Bond kicked four goals, and David Brown, Brendan Laid, and Daryl Poole play, uh, kicked two goals each. Uh, for the reason it was Craig Scholl with six goals and Julian Kurtzner who kicked four goals three. And if you're saying who's Julian Kurtzner, that's a really good question. Um, this was his best game at AFL level. He played before that one game at Essendon and ended up playing a total of three games at North Melbourne. So four goals three, not bad. Not bad for a, a so four-gamer. So Spuds at Terrace Apart started all the way back in 1997. <laughs> Pretty much, and particularly North Melbourne ones. <laughs> Craig, Craig Scholl was a good player though He was, he actually was pretty good I think a little bit underrated at times But yeah, no, he was very he was probably a bit. I'm going back to the memory books He reminds me a bit now of a Sort of like a, a Pike Sort of player, Martin Pike But um, yeah. yeah Well Martin anyway, Pike played this game but... Sorry, Before Rick? he went to Brisbane Oh, you've got to apologise. I'm still getting over this cold, and so okay. if I'm cough, if I'm coughing, I'm just muting the microphone instead of coughing in everyone's ear. So um, yeah, so I don't think you want that. But oh, good memories! I remember this game so well. I um, I actually do have a vague recollection of this game, though. But um, yeah. I was I was actually yeah I do actually, and I was actually impressed that we yeah for a change. I, I must sort of I must have been sober that day. Um, but I do, uh, I do remember uh, being impressed that we sort of kept it within a respectable scoreline against the uh, the reigning premiers. And Shane Bond for me is one of those great players that sometimes I forget about that played for um, played for us at AFL level. Yeah, it was a real shame how his career ended. But he was a really a solid player, and if he hadn't had that horrible knee injury, he would have kept playing for multiple years and probably would have been part of our premiership. Quite frankly, he would have been in the age group too. So um, yeah, really yeah. cool with injury. Um, yeah. Now, there were two milestones in this game, um, very minor ones. It was John Rombotis's first game for Port Adelaide, and we've talked about John Rombotis in a previous podcast, and he was a bit of a nothing. But the most interesting one for me was that it was Brent Harvey's fourth AFL game. Um, Thanks. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's we, we were basically one of the first teams he ever played against. Um <laughs> That's amazing. And he's still, he's still playing 20 seasons later, uh, which is... Uh, how? <laughs> it, it is amazing. It's um, it's sort of like um, if you love him or hate him as a player, oh, you've still got to respect his durability. Do. I mean, it's Michael Tusk. Michael Tusk. Michael Tuck-esque. Yeah, in a way, isn't yeah it? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, and he's been a fantastic player too. And I mean, how often has he reamed us over the years? And unfortunately, I'm a bit worried that he could do it to us again this week. Is he playing this week? He's not out. Is yes, he? he is playing this week. 
Yes, yeah, that's yes. a bit of a shame for us because I could I could see him scooting away from our defence and kicking for behind the behind the defensive line or something. But yeah, what a what an amazing effort! Absolutely, absolutely. Look, if we're lucky, he'll play in defence or something like that. He's usually a little bit less damaging to us when he's there. But if he goes forward, well, he's going to get a goal at least. You'd imagine he usually does. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't remember much about the game myself, but uh, it certainly was a significant one, I think, just for the fact that we managed to go up against the reigning premiers and not get beaten by 100 points. So that's always a good thing. If we were if we were better hosts, we'd actually try and find footage of the game before the podcast, wouldn't we? <laughs> Thanks, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, people, that we're not more organised. Um, uh, we, we should start doing that, shouldn't we, Portia? Someone can. <laughs> yeah, is that code uh, that I should do it? I wouldn't even know where to get it from. If, I mean, if it's a new, if a more recent game, you might be able to get little bits on YouTube or something. But for something from 1997, nah, I'm not going to bother trying to search that out. Sorry, sorry, listeners, sorry. Um, we have had a quick uh, comment I'm... from Bevan just while we're talking yeah. about Brent Harvey uh, saying that he's going to kick four, the little campaigner, uh, which really the little campaigner <laughs> should be his subtitle. But there you go. Uh, all right, well, look, we'll move on to the last time they met, which I suppose is the more relevant game, um, which is uh, against the, uh, North Melbourne at the Docklands last year. Um, Port Adelaide, 17 goals, 11, 113, beat North Melbourne, 16 goals, 9, 105. Uh, we kicked three goals, 3 to 2 in the first, and kicked away to 20-point margin at half-time. Uh, but from then on, it got a little bit exciting. Um, at three-quarter time, we only had an eight-point margin. And in the last quarter... Um, with about 10, 12 minutes to go, we actually lost the lead to North Melbourne. Um, Lindsay Goal kicked three goals in that final. Lindsay Thomas kicked three goals in that final quarter, um, and uh, fortunately, Aaron Young and Kane Mitchell got on the scoreboard and got us just back in front again. Uh, it was a pretty. I was there. It was a pretty phenomenal game of football, actually. Um, I wouldn't say either team was really at their best, but it was certainly an entertaining match. Do you recall that one at all, Rick? Yeah, I was sober that day. It was. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a good game. I uh, yeah. I mean, how could it not be a good game? I mean, it would be nice if North Melbourne actually came here for a change, though. But um, yeah. I guess we were on our on our run towards ninth spot with the, in our endeavours, and um, yeah, it just uh, it was just uh, a good game. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, we couldn't hold on in that. It would have been good to have been stronger in that last quarter and kicked away. But at the same time, it's good to go down in the last quarter and actually come back and win a game too. So it, could, it shows good intestinal, intestinal fortitude. And um, I guess where has that gone? That is the million-dollar question. Well, I mean, yeah, that is a good question. Um, I'd say you're talking about it being good intestinal fortitude, but really it's probably a game we should have put away. Um, we were not as accurate as North Melbourne in front of goal. Um, like I said, we kicked three goals, three to two goals, one in the first quarter, and we could have buried them in that first quarter if we'd been kicking accurately. And at Etihad, you don't really have an excuse to be poor for the most part. Um, no. Yeah. But anyway, look, this game had a, a bit of a foreboding thing, I think, which is uh, the Ruxhall. Goldstein had 49 hitouts to Paddy Ryder's 35. Um, you'd have to think that this week he'll probably top that record. Uh, or, I don't know if it was a record, but you'd get more than that, you'd think, if he was getting that many against an actual Ruckman in Ruck. Um, a little bit worrying. What do you think about that? What is up? the... What is the Ruck record? It's like 72 hit-outs Sam it, Jacobs or something, isn't it? It is something I'm seeing, yes. I, I don't know. I think, I think it could, no disrespect to Jackson, but I, I think it could come under threat this yeah. week. I, I am, I'm a bit worried. 
Uh, mm. I mean, Ryder held his own against Goldstein, and Goldstein, as we know, is probably the premier ruckman in the in the competition now, yeah. and um, and influential. Uh, I just don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, but I'm we'll sure talk about that later. We will. Um, as for this game, goals: Jay Shorts kicked four, Matt White and Brad Ebert kicked three each, and Angus Monfries kicked two goals three. Um, for them, Lindsay Thomas was uh, basically the three people I would think are our main problems at Ford this week. Lindsay Thomas, Ben Brown, and Drew Petrie. Uh, so it was four goals, two, three goals, and two goals, respectively, which was not all of their score, um, but it was certainly enough of it that uh, we have to worry about them. Uh, and the milestone in this game was it was Brendan Archie's first match. He had three touches. Was it? Yep. I thought he played, like, the last seven games. Yeah, no, he played this one too. It's just he didn't get on until the final quarter from memory. He was running up and... I remember because I was sitting down by the um, wing and he was running back and forward in front of me all game. I'm like, come on, yep. got, to, got to bring him on. He was so desperate. Um, yeah. <laughs> hopefully he'll be desperate again. And, he, and he's back. Yeah, moving into this week against the Kangaroos. Selections, when you look at them, they make sense in a way because they're like for like. Um, so we've got ins are Paul Stewart, Brendan Archie and Sam Gray. And the outs are Brad Ebert, Nathan Cracker's got a funeral to go to and Camo Shea is out. So it's sort of Paul Stewart for Camo Shea, Sam Gray for Brad Ebert and Brendan Archie for Nathan Cracker, kind of. Um, we've sort of become a little bit def- more defensive, but we, there's probably justification for that in there too. Um, look, there's a bit of controversy on the boards on this one um, about who should have been brought in and who could have been dropped. Um, what are your thoughts, Rick? Um, yeah, well, look, going, excuse me as I cough. Going from the SANFL, uh, what I followed in the thread, um, mm. Jesse Palmer looked like a lay-down Mazair to be in the side and isn't, so that's a bit disappointing. But I guess I, I look at it a little bit differently and a bit deeper, and I'm, I'm just wondering if this is um, the last hurrah for, say, a Paul Stewart who is probably not going to be on our list at the end of this year? And is it potentially the last hurrah for a Brendan Archie and a Sam Gray compared to your Tumpus and Palmer that will most likely be on the list and get a lot of opportunities next year? So are we trying to showcase um, that talent? Now, is it right? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we should be rewarding players for their form, but um, maybe we're trying to have one last look at them before um, they this thanks but no thanks, comes their way. Thoughts? Um, I can see that being a perspective in that those, well, not with Paul Stewart, I don't, but with Brandon Archie and Sam Gray, potentially they're being primed for trade, potentially. Um, Paul Stewart, there would there would not be the case, so I'm not sure about that one. That one. I'm a little, the Paul Stewart one kind of surprises me a little, not because Cam O'Shea's been in great form, but because I think it came, the most likely matchup that either of them would be playing on this week would be Jared Waite, who is actually pretty good overhead, which I would probably lean towards O'Shea in that situation. But um, I'm not sure it's going to make too much difference, hopefully. Um, I guess the real question I mean, for me is the question is whether either of Mitchell or Need should have been dropped this week. Um, Probably. Probably, but I mean, how many, I guess, do they want to drop? That's the, uh, yeah. that's the question. Are they, are they actually trying to win the game, do you think, with those selections? Or are they actually just trying to uh, suss people out? Uh, well, I think they want to win the game. And I think if you're going to make a case for Mitchell and Need, you'd probably say it's at Dockland Stadium, which means there's a fast track 
and uh, certainly the last time Need played there, I think he did okay. So um, I mean, he, had, he he can run all day there, which is great. Um, yeah. And maybe, and maybe it continues to be part of um, Ken Hinckley's thing about if you're not working hard enough, you're the one that's going to get dropped. Um, mm. Which I suppose that could be part of it as well. Um, I don't know. Look, I'm, I, I, I'm not sure that these changes are going to win or lose us the game uh, except that you know obviously the outs like even cracker out I'm not happy about entirely that that's happened but with nothing we can do about but you got it. a funeral what yeah, yeah absolutely nothing you can do about it but it's sort of like yeah, that, yeah that's a loss but the ins coming in I don't know that we could have configured it to be a lot better um, and when you look at the emergencies like Tumpus and Butcher I don't think I would pick either of them for a fast track anyway I don't think that'd be the game I'd say mm. These, this is the time they're going to come back Palmer, I don't know about just because I haven't seen him play, but um, I'd be interested to hear other people's thoughts on that. Um, yeah, well, they'll pump, they'll pumping him up on the um, definitely on the uh, on the forum during the game. Uh, I wasn't able to see the footage; I was in a bit of a twilight zone. But um, yeah, so um, I don't know. Did you were you keen for Butch to come in? Um, I'm not. But that's me. I know a lot of people are. I actually would have been pretty keen for Frampton to come in because apparently he played well last week. And I have a strong feeling that Goldstein is going to be a huge headache for us considering that North Melbourne's strength is in their midfield. Um, mm. And it would be nice to at least have someone that can take it, uh, take the ball high when they get the opportunity as opposed to Trengo, who probably, I don't know whether he can as well. I would, be, I would have been tempted to give, bring Frankton in this game, but we haven't done that, so okay. Um, I had got one question from the forum, the Beard Amigos. He, uh, he's basically asking, as far as I can tell, whether we should have actually put in the emergencies rather than the ins. So that would be Tumpus, Butcher, Palmer instead of Stuart, Archie, Gray. Would you think there'd be any merit in that? In what, sorry? In bringing in... If, if I was... If we had brought in the emergencies instead of the inns, so if we'd brought in Tumpus, Butcher and Palmer instead of Stuart, Archie and Gray? Um, well, look, I could see the Stuart and O'Shea selection. Mm. Um, like you said, like for like. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Has Tumpus done enough? He's been playing all right at SANFL level, but I'm not convinced he will be better than Sam Gray. I mean, Brendan Archie's the big one, isn't it? I mean, yeah. excuse me, um, because his form's been pretty poor. Yeah. And he, I, from what I read, he only had a good last quarter. Um, so I can see, you know, Palmer or Tumpas really should be ahead of him. That's why I can only think... They're just trying to showcase Brendan. Maybe they're hoping they might be able to get a third round from Gold Coast for, with his brother or something. Um, yeah. And they're going to give him a, a late opportunity. But, and I, I mean, I say it with all respect to Brendan, but he, he just hasn't really had a good year this year, has he? No, he's been pretty ordinary. And, and I suppose if they and, keep Jesse Palmer and, you know, he can play next year perhaps, I guess they might be thinking. I don't know. Yeah, well, that, that's the only thing I could think of. I mean, me personally, yes, I would have loved to have seen Tumpus, Butcher and Palmer in. Uh, I mean, and Butcher just for the, you know, the novelty factor of the excitement that he, he brings to the supporters. Um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see his new kicking action at AFL level and what he can do. But um, obviously that's not to be. Maybe this is going to happen um, if we lose to North Melbourne and we're definitely out of the finals and... Um, 
they might start rotating more players through perhaps. Yeah, do you maybe. think that will happen or do you think or do you think Ken's stubborn and he'll just keep plugging on with the same old, same old? I think if you've burnt the season then you stick to the um the same message you've had at the start of the year. So I think he'll stick even more strongly to if I don't think you're doing the work, you're not in the side. Um Yeah. So I think I think I don't think he'll change that. I think he'd in fact I think it would be silly to change from that now having already staked the season on it. Um Sure. He's he's gotta he's gotta keep consistent with that. Um, otherwise, the message yeah. is ruined, basically. So I, I, don't, I think we'll keep selecting like this for the rest of the year. Um, if someone, if a young player is lucky, if there's, uh, if they're lucky and someone else isn't, like they get an injury or something or a suspension, then we might see someone like Palmer de- debut. But I kind of think that that's not going to happen. I think Hinkley's going to stick with what he's got, personally. Yeah. yeah. Is it almost a bit Choco-ish at the end of his reign where he was very, no. very loyal no, no, I don't think it is because uh, Choco at this time of year would start playing the young players. Like he wouldn't play heaps, but he'd start playing them, and then he'd maybe segue into a few farewell games here and there. Um, but he usually, when the season started looking like it was properly gone, he would play younger players a bit more, but not all that much more, but a bit more. Um, Do you think Hinkley should be playing? More of the uh, younger players? Well, he already is. That's the thing. He already is playing a good number in the side. You know, you're looking at first 22, and it is pretty young. Um, the ones that you'd want to be looking at dropping are your senior players, and we just don't have anyone that will step up to this point. Like, our, our depth at NFL level is okay, but it's not great. Um, you know, of the of the players in the top side that you drop... It's not like, I mean, Paul Stewart is really it as far as, you know, guys that you'd say are ageing players that we could do better than. Um, mm. Apart from that, and maybe Schultz, you could argue maybe Schultz out. Um, you could argue Westhoff out. But apart from that, I mean, it's not all that old a side that we can replace easily, you know? Is this the end for your buddy Cam O'Shea? Ah, uh, maybe at Port, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's sort of at Port Adelaide. Look, he's in and out, so give it two weeks and he might be back in. I don't know. <laughs> what's, I know you're a big Cam O'Shea fan. What do you, what's, your, what's your gut feeling? Do you think he's going to be around or do you think they'll try and trade him off? I think it depends entirely <coughs> on what happens with other player movement. So if we trade out, because we talked about this last year, if we trade out, for example, a halfback flanker that is one of the better ones. So, for example, if these rumours are true about Jasper Pittard being homesick... Touch wood, hope he's not. Or we'll maybe we'll trade Matthew Broadbent or something like that. Then if we trade one from the top, he's more likely to stay around. But if we keep all of them, then he's very likely to be traded. Mm. So talking about giving the chop and trading and stuff like that, I've got a random question for you, Portia. Yeah. Have you ever um, have you ever blocked me on Big Footy? I have never blocked you on Big Footy, Rick. Yes. Have you what? blocked anyone on Big Footy? I, I have in the past blocked people on Big Footy, but I do not currently have anyone blocked. Would you Would you name them? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so now all these Big Footy listeners will be going, oh, I wonder if she's blocked me. For the record, I've never blocked anyone. Well, I don't think I've blocked anyone. Well, so, for everyone, everyone um... listening in, I didn't block you. <laughs> we love you. We would not do that. Sorry, I just, I just thought it was a good segue to bring in that random, uh, that random question and put you on the spot. There's a bit. That's no, a non secateur, not a segue. That's um, completely <laughs> random. Good uh, work. Yeah. 
Look, all right, we'll all move right, on so to the kangaroos. We? We're going to talk about the kangaroos side briefly. Um, so they've got interest. Oh, they we, we are going to. Um, they do I hate the kangaroos. Well, it's important to at least note their ins and outs because they're interesting. Fine. Okay. Um, so outs, they've lost Farron Ray, Mason Wood and Trent Dumont. Mason Wood's out has come at a very poor time because I was just reading earlier about how a couple of clubs are interested in trading for him and getting him away from North Melbourne. Uh, he's a key forward and with the nearest uh, key forward probably being someone like Drew Petrie who will retire fairly soon. Um, they really can't afford to lose him. But anyway, he's an out, and that's probably a bit of an out for them. Um, but the ins are players that worry me a little. Uh, Nick Del Santo's back, Daniel Wells is back, and Jared Waite is back. So they've plugged straight away um, a big chunk of experience back in that side, um, and specifically uh, in midfield and a little bit forward, depending on where they play Waite this week. Um, it worries me a little. Uh, it's a little bit like they're getting back to the side looking more like it did when they had their unbeaten run and it's happening at a bad time, I think. Mm. Have you got any thoughts on well, that? What's, uh, what's, interest- what's, in- what's interesting is Farron Ray is still playing AFL football. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I haven't noticed him for like five years when he was yep. at Richmond. Did he start at Richmond and then went to St Kilda? Yeah, yeah. He's forged a pretty serviceable career for... For a for a, a below serviceable player, really. Oh look, he's got talent and he does enough. Um, he's not. I don't think he's a great player, but he certainly does enough. You know, there's plenty of players around the league that just sort of hang in there. Um, yeah. You know, you could make a case that Paul Stewart's doing pretty well for someone that has been around the list for what ten years. He was drafted in two thousand six, so this is his tenth season, I guess. Um, mm. He's still around, you know. Uh, but I, I, I'm with you. The the ins are a bit of a worry. I mean, Nick Dalcento is going to be a consistent midfielder. Yeah. Uh, you know, get the mid to high twenty possessions. Jared Waite's going to be that strong marking forward, which you you know that's a little bit inconsistent. But you you know he'll probably expose our our immature defence. Mm. And obviously Daniel, Daniel Wells is a, a you know and you know a high team possession sort of player that's very influential once he gets forward to centre with his delivery. So. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me, couldn't get to the mute. Um, so uh, yeah, and look, with our midfield being very, very inconsistent, um, I agree. It's a it's a real worry those ends, and you think that North Melbourne will want to be uh, stoking the fire on their run home to the finals. I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, uh, Jared Way, I did look him up because I have memories of him being really punishing to us but it turns out my memories are mostly false um at least as far as his ability to get on the scoreboard um the last time he kicked more than two goals against us with 2007 and that was at Carlton so I think he can occasionally be a little bit influential but he's not quite as dangerous as I had thought he was uh, we have got a quick comment on Spreaker Chat um, from Mick Harrison who's pointing out in fact that Ray started at the dogs Farron Ray started at the dogs which is correct there you go. The reason, Thank I think you. probably the reason, probably the reason why we both thought Richmond is because it was a ter- it was, he was an archetypal Terry Wallace pick, um, because he was a, a very fast flanker, and that was all what Terry Wallace was about when he was drafting. I think that's probably the point of confusion. Anyway, <laughs> let's barrel straight into the big matchup, the big one: Goldstein versus Trengove. The Beard Amigos has asked, "What do we think is the best way to combat Goldstein? Should we keep doing what we've done so far, or try a new setup? Will Westhoff be involved?" What are the thoughts, Rick, as our expert strategist? Um, all right. So when I was in year nine, I had a good okay. mate of mine. His name, he was, his name was Brian, right? And Brian. 
Brian oh, and he Brian. I won't, Brian and I won't say I won't say his last name, but he was dating a chick called Megan. And <laughs> um and Brian Brian wasn't very nice to girls. And oh. so um and I think he might have uh, played around on Megan with a with another girl. So uh, anyway, when when he sort of told Megan this at school, Megan turned around and punched him in the nuts so hard <laughs> that he actually had to he had to go to hospital, and they actually had to push his testicles down from his intestines back to where they're supposed to be. But he could not he could not walk. They had to get an ambulance. And he was out of action for days. I think that's what we need to do to go through. <laughs> well, How, what do you reckon? Are you with me? That's definitely a job for Port Adelaide social media to find out um, if he's been cheating on anyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a true story. And ironically, she got no punishment whatsoever. Can you yeah. imagine if that happened now in today's day and age? But anyway, on a football-related matter, if we can't knock him out or push his testes up into his intestines, um, I really, I'm really at a loss, to be honest, what we can legally do to negate him. Yeah. Um, I know with, I had a quick chat on the, on the forum about um, using Dixon more in the ruck. Um, no. I know you're obviously not a fan. Someone else wasn't a fan. Excuse me, that word for uh, Sydney with Kurt Tippett. Maybe we've got no choice, but we're going to have to use that bigger frame just to try and push Goldstein around because I don't think we've got any armoury to combat them, combat him. And uh, Jackson's going to try really, really hard, but I think he's going to be fighting a losing battle. Uh, Kurt Tippett has always been a ruck slash forward, um, so him going in ruck is expected, whereas Dixon has pretty much been a key position forward. I think it's a different thing. It'd be like throwing tread ray and ruck. You'd never do it. Um, he might ruck around the ground occasionally, but no, I don't think I don't think we can do that. Um, I think we just have to cop it sweet and then make sure that our midfield is super accountable. Really, that's, I think that's all we can do. I was just I was just about to say. So we're going to have to be super super accountable then. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll move along to the midfield because uh, that's really where this game is going to be won and lost. Um, <laughs> they've yeah. got a really reliable setup there. That's why they were unbeaten for so long during this season. Uh, and our midfield has been inconsistent at best, realistically. The work rate has been up in the last couple of months, on the whole, with obvious lapses during games. But, um, gee, look, I'm not sure if we've got something to match them there. They've got really good, solid, tough extractors. They've got tough footballers. They know how to work together. Um, this is going to sound a little bit negative, but I, I don't know that we actually can match them in midfield unless something, unless we've got an absolute fire burning in the guts to win this game. Well, let's talk about it quickly now. It's not on your run sheet, so I'm going to do it to you again. Um, I don't know if you and Macca spoke about it on Monday, because apologies I didn't listen in, but I think the heat needs to go on to our leaders. Have you? Did you speak about that on Monday? Uh, no, no. Okay, so um, I just really, really think you look at the good sides, we compare ourselves to the best, Sydney and Hawthorne, their leaders stand up when they have to, uh, at the most important times. And our leaders in the last two years have gone missing. Uh, one of our leaders got rubbed out for six weeks. One of our leaders was in such bad form that they had to get dropped. Um, one of our leaders, who can be courageous, has been very con- inconsistent. 
and our, our captain has been all over the shop. Um, you know, if, it, if at any time this season we're going to win a game, and if it's going to be this week, it's going to be if the leaders that are actually out there actually stand up for four quarters and put in an effort. And I, I sort of agree that I think there's a bit of a, a cultural leadership issue at our footy club at this point in time. Uh, I think maybe, but I don't know that I agree. I don't think we're agreeing on the same thing. And then I agree, but I think it's more to do with the players we're choosing to be leaders rather than it being a problem with the leadership culture. Um, you know. So, but who we got in there? We've got Lobie. Yeah. We've got Hartlett. We've got, obviously, Jonas. We've got yeah. Travis Boat. Who yeah. else we got in there? There's eight of them, isn't there? Brad yeah. Ebert? Look, it's a stupid number. It's heaps and heaps. Um, and I guess when you have that, and particularly if they've got two or three guys that sort of talk to them a lot, then I guess it's kind of hard to make sure you've got a consistent message going down. Um, yeah. That's That would be my main concern with that setup. But, you know, like someone like Travis Spoke, he is not getting a lot of help in midfield. Like you talk about the guys mm. at other clubs that stand up and they come out and they do whatever, but... Like Daniel Wells is a classic example. I mean, admittedly, he's a bit more outside than Travis. But when Wells isn't getting support from his teammates, he can't stand up. Um, we used to see it at the Crows with Andrew McLeod, another example. He was a bloke that, you know, people say, oh, you can't stop Andrew McLeod when he's on fire. And it's like, yeah, you know, you can't because if he's not, if he's on fire, he has, by definition, escaped being having someone accountable for him. Um, but it's really hard to come through and just sort of Unless you're a very specific sort of player, it's very hard to get through that close attention and be take the game by the scruff of the neck. And I think we've seen Boker's been struggling with that for a while now because he gets the top attention every week, pretty much. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, I, as like Hawthorne, Hawthorne was a great example. His first quarter, I thought, was very, very good. Yeah. And then he uh, and then he disappeared again. And he, I think you're right. He's not getting much support at the moment. And, no. Um, well, <coughs> Excuse I mean, me again. The, the other issue there is... That's where I'm questioning the leadership. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the other issue there is that if you're going to compare it to... like, Look at Hawthorne again, while we're talking about Hawthorne. Um, that quality of midfield around, you know, Sam Mitchell, for example, it's huge compared to what we've got. You know, absolutely huge. Like Liam Shields is a gun player. Uh, Jordan Lewis is a gun player. Uh, you've got Hodge can go in the middle. You've just got so many players can come through the midfield there and they are all tough and they are all capable of extracting, but they're also not terrible by foot. Um, and I don't think we've got, I think, don't think we've got anyone that meets that uh, definition right now um, that is good at extracting and also good by foot. I don't reckon we've got that. No. I mean, I don't have to be a rocket scientist here or to tell everybody that our skills have been pretty deplorable. Um, and again, you know, some, of, some of the kicking from really good players, uh, has been disappointing. Hey, and I guess if we're talking about standing up in the midfield, um, does Darren Burgess have to be a little bit accountable this year with some of the injuries that we're starting to rack up? Uh, if they're all hamstring ones, maybe, but they're not. Like, Evert bruised lung. What's, nothing Burgess can do for that one, you know. Um, they've all been quite different, you know. It's not like a few years ago, like I suppose late last decade, when we had that huge run of soft tissue injuries. Uh, we're not. I don't think that's been a real problem. Mm-hmm. It's been general injuries. There hasn't been one thing that we can say, ah, that's where we're breaking down. So I, I don't know if you can criticise on that. 
Um, mm. I don't know, but I mean, if well, we've had two it... players coming back from a, a a period of time off: Homsch, hamstring now uh, thigh. Yeah. Um, Jonas six weeks off, about to come back, and now he's got a got a thigh issue as well, or a yeah. hamstring issue. Um, <coughs> so uh, I don't know. There's two. But that's about there's a normal. few more. There's a few more, isn't it? We've had. A, I thought we've had quite a few. Well, we soft tissue. Or we had more impact injuries. Well, we've had a bit of. We've had a bit of everything. You see, that, that's the thing. I, I don't think we can say, you know, that our issue has been with the muscle development. Um, I would say one thing though, which is that we talked about Charlie Dixon, and this is not a great example, but Charlie Dixon, how he had a horrible injury history at the Gold Coast. Um, but he also probably wasn't working as hard at the Gold Coast. And usually the players that... It seems to be really a corresponding thing that players that are not necessarily working as hard as they could be are players that often get injured. Um, I don't know. Mm. I don't know if that's a factor as well. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's just, maybe it's just we've got a very, very unlucky random season this year and that's what it's coming down to. And nothing's really aligned for us ever since Monfries and Ryder got suspended and we just haven't been able to catch up from there. Yeah, 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 that's probably fair. Part of me feels that way anyway. But I just don't, I'm with you, I just don't see how we've got enough consistency in our midfield to go with North Melbourne's midfield. And with Goldstein going to give them, you know, 75% of the time, first look at the pill, um... How are we going to combat that? It's, I, I don't know if we can. Yeah, I don't think we can. Um, but I guess we'll see. Hopefully we're both wrong. Hopefully we're both horribly, horribly wrong. Um, just on Burgess, yeah. though, there was a bit of criticism that we were underdone earlier in the season. But, I, I mean, I feel like the last month or two we've seen that we've been fit, we've been pretty okay at finishing our games. We haven't really had as many players, you know, busting a gut and going, I can't breathe or anything, you know, and we've been working pretty hard. I think it's just that at the start of the season there were a lot of teams really gunning it and we weren't. But I think we'll probably see, I reckon we'll see a fitness advantage potentially in the second half of the year or the rest of the year. Um, but whether we use mm. it or not is another question, I guess. Anyway, look, we'll move along to the next section. We quickly briefly mentioned the kangaroos forwards. Um Ben Brown and Drew Petrie, I suppose, are big ones. Um, ben Brown is very hard to match up on, and Drew Petrie is a very experienced player. Uh, and our key defenders are Cleary and Logan Austin. Uh, I don't feel good about these matchups at all. I guess probably Austin will get Brown mm-hmm. and uh, Cleary will get Petrie, and hopefully they'll do okay. Um, and we'll, as we said earlier, I think we'll probably see Paul Stewart on weight. And, of course, Lindsay Thomas is in that uh, forward line as well, so... Um, They've got a lot of weapons there. And if you're looking at they've got the trifecta of a team that can absolutely smash the opponents. Uh, they've got Ruck, midfield and forwards. Um, Rick, what do you think about that forward line? Yeah, I'm really excited. I think we can dominate that forward line with our defenders. I, um, seriously, though, I, look, I think I'm interested to see Austin again. Yeah. I, I think he's showing promise. Obviously, his skills weren't up to scratch against Hawthorne, but... Um, I think he's showing enough. Yeah. There's a I'll... cough again. Uh, the, I was going to say, the worry for me is Cleary. I mentioned it last mm. week. I don't think he has that great one-on-one ability. And if we and he's probably too short for Petri. And if we have to match Cleary up on Petri, I'm really worried that Drew could probably 
maybe kick six or seven goals if they try and isolate him? Yeah, look, I mean, I've got to say of the two, I'm also in, I'm also Team Austin. Um, I think that he's, I haven't seen anything that tells me he isn't going to be a 10-year defender for us, um, potentially. Mm. And I think that Brown is probably a positive matchup for him. I think he's got the right attributes to go with him. But Clurie does worry me. Um, I, I agree a bit that he's probably not a player I would say was ideal for a one-on-one. Um I don't know. I don't know if we'll have the spare men in defence to help him out. Hopefully we do, because we'll be playing team defence if we are, and that'll be a, a little feather in Nathan Bassett's cap if we do that. But yeah. I don't know. don't know. Hopefully. Do you, um, as I slowly die here, um, yeah. do you think, is there a chance they would have considered picking Matt Loby on the fact knowing that our rup's going to get slaughtered anyway, so that way Jackson could have dropped back into defence or... Have they looked at it and gone, we don't think it really is going to matter anyway, so we might as well leave Jackson in the ruck? Yeah. Look, I mean, if we lose the ruck, then even if Jackson goes in defence, we're still going to be well up against it. So, yeah. yeah. And, and Lobby's, not, re- and Lobby's yeah. not ready. You know, he's playing in the Magpies, and I don't know if he'll play more than half a game. So, we'll see. Mm. And look, I've got to admit, I'm, I've got to apologise to every, the, everyone that listens and downloads that... I am sounding a little bit doom and gloomish and a bit pessimistic, but yeah. I guess we've got so many injuries and so many suspensions. Uh, yeah, and North Melbourne, they're a season side, and I don't think they're good enough to win the grand final this year. I think their their age is probably against them, but uh, and their consistency. But I think they're going to be uh, yeah they're going to be difficult for us to beat with what we've shown so far. Oh look! I don't think any Port Adelaide fan comes into a North Melbourne game thinking, "Yeah, we're going to win. We're going to smash them." I don't think that's a mindset that we have about North Melbourne, and I, I guess that might be a bit of a good thing because then hopefully the players don't have that mindset either, uh, and they'll know that they've got to compete from second one until the last second to get this win. So, um, be interesting. Look, we'll just quickly cover the um, defence. Uh, it's probably the weak spot in this uh, North Melbourne side, but if they're winning in midfield and they're able to get it through the forward line, who cares? Um, and it's not a terrible backline, but uh, there is one thing about it, which is that Charlie Dixon apparently kicked seven goals against that backline uh, when he was playing for the Gold Coast Suns last year. So hopefully that means they don't have a good matchup for Dixon, and if we can get it to him, assuming we don't just kick it to him too high and he's surrounded by three defenders, then maybe he can get out and have a bit of a game. Interesting to see. But he does have a good record. Well, he might have carry in a bit of confidence. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, just, we need to get the delivery to him, that's all. That's exactly right. Uh, look, just going on to the yeah. game in general, um, should we be concerned about Brad Scott? Maybe, I guess is the question. Uh, we've beaten them last time we played and we beat them in a final, but they still, I think he still has a positive record against us, but we mostly play them away from Adelaide. So I think it's a bit of an iffy one um, and it will be very nice to see him whinge in the uh, coach's box if he loses. So let's hope for that. Uh, and as for the psychological mm. advantage, um, we did win the last time we played them and they have had a bit of a form drop. But our record against North is still awful, and their ins are good this week, and they were top of the ladder for quite a long time this year. So you'd have to say that North have got the psychological advantage, particularly being at home. Yeah, yes. I think so. Yeah, all right. We'll move on to the Fringe Force 5. Uh, Jimmy Tomfus this week. Uh, he was drafted number four originally in the 2012 National Draft, and we traded for him last year. A big, complicated mess of picks, but uh, essentially we traded out uh, pick 29 and got back pick 32 and a couple of, we traded out another couple of low pick or awful picks and we ended up getting Riley Bonner for the pick that we got anyway so that was probably no real loss uh, he's been named as the emergency again this week 
Um, do you think... He, look, I think he's probably a little unlucky to be, not be back in the side probably in a previous week. This week, I think it's probably harder to make a case, being that Eddie had. Um, there was a thought on Monday's podcast that perhaps the issue he has is that he's competing for a similar quarterbacky role with Hamish Hartlett. Jeez, uh, really? They're completely different players, I would have thought. But, well, um, apparently he's but playing I, that quarterbacky role at Santa NFL level, so... Yeah, I just don't see him as that quarterbacky type player. But um, look, I think I think Jimmy's maybe just been told he's got to work on some things, and uh, I reckon that's what they're getting him to do. And I can't see a reason now that our season's pretty much shot to uh, to sort of rush him back. I'd, I'd make him earn a little bit. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with making uh, players rack up, you know, disposal, 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 week after week. Uh, they did it with Kane Corns when he started, and and Travis Boak as well, and. Um, um, yeah, look, and I think I, I actually don't mind Jimmy. I think he's got. I think he's shown some promise, and once he gets a little bit more composure for the pace of the game, uh, I think he. Uh, I think he's going to be a very handy player for us. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I'm definitely not ruling a, a line through his name like you were with Sammy Cahoon last week. But we know you're just doing that to get the team. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I need some more tea, actually. But yes, uh, I understand. Look, I think they're an entirely different proposition because I think Tumpus has shown he does have some aspects to his game that are less uh, bog ordinary, common at AFL level. Um, Sammy cahoon has got great endurance, but I don't think he's got enough else to his game. And I think he's at his size. I mean, he's replaceable if you look at the SNFL under 18 side this year. There's a lot of guys under 180 centimetres that we could bring in, and I think you'd have to think they might have a bit more upside. Um, yeah, look, Jimmy Tompas, I think he's got time. Uh, I don't, he's not going to get delisted. I, he's not going to get traded. Um, so if he doesn't play again this year, well, as long as he keeps working hard, then next year he'll be in a really good spot to potentially get a spot in a midfield that maybe has a couple of gaps or a midfield or halfback spot when a couple of gaps are created ahead of him through trades out, potentially. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, uh, I mean, he's a depth player for us at the moment, which yeah. I would be hoping... Coming next year, he'll be pushing for a starting 22 player for us. Well, he's got a bit of work to do for that because you've got to remember, like, right now he's a depth player for us when we're already accessing our depth. So he's going to have to jump up quite a few rungs to get in the first 22 if we stay fit most of the season. But uh, we'll see. Yeah. He's got it in we'll him see. potentially. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we'll move on quickly because I don't think either of us are too knowledgeable about this one. But uh, the Magpies are playing Woodville West Torrens at Alberton this week on Sunday at 2.10pm. So if you're in Adelaide or in the Port Adelaide area, get down and watch the game. Um, it is a bit of a tough one because we are six on the ladder and Woodville West Torrens are at the top very comfortably right now. Um, Lobby and Widerback. Cracker will be playing this one because obviously there's no funeral on the Sunday, just on the Saturday. And you'd have to think, like looking at the team, it looks decent. It looks like it, the ins are pretty good and the outs are not too devastating. But it's the top side, but it's at Alberton. I don't know, you reckon we might win this one? No. No? Woodville's too good. Nah, Woodville's too strong. Yeah. They're, uh, they're a conditioned side and I don't think we've proven enough against the the better sides. Um, so, uh, But I'm intrigued to see how many goals the Butch and yeah. young Lukey Reynolds the new Scott Hodges, Luke Reynolds, that everyone wants to uh, recruit. Are you keen? He's a bit short, isn't he? On, on drafting a 188 centimetre full forward? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> hey? 
No, I think the only I think the last full forward around that height that did all right at AFL level was probably um, Cameron Ling because he turned into a tagger. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, not keen. But there you go. He, look, he might come out and he might be amazing. Maybe he's a, a Posadley or Posadley or whatever you call it, um, waiting well, to come. Well, Scott in. Hodges wasn't much. Scott Hodges wasn't much more than 188, was he? Scott Hodges played 20 years ago. Yeah, I know, but I'm just as a random comment. But he was that was the that was the more of the height back in the eighties, wasn't it? Of the yeah, um, you could get away with it then in the eighties for sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. but weren't they playing one hundred and eighty eight centimeter players in the ruck as well? So um, <laughs> yeah, look. So I guess yeah, for those second Luke Reynolds might be recruited. I guess the question is, where are we going to play him? Um, is he get what a half forward flanker? Does he play like a half forward flanker? Or does he play like a small full forward, which is suited to the uh, SANFL level? That's the uh, the million dollar question. Yeah, well, look, I mean, uh, you know, if he had the fitness space and all these things that you need, then potentially he could fill in to replace Angus Monfries if he can play that kind of role. But he'd have to have a huge, huge uh, tank and a really good read of the game to be able to play that. And if he was going to do it, we'd want him to do it pretty much immediately. So I'm not confident of that, but who knows? He might get a rookie spot if he's really lucky. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, look, we've got a one question, or actually two questions left that sort of haven't already been covered from people on the forum. Um, the first one is an El Zorro one. Uh, oh, and we did that, done one. that one. We've done that one. Skip that one. Dr. Feel, this is the yeah. one I'm going to throw to you. Um, is the new Ghostbusters reverse sexist? They portray all men as dumb and vacant. Well, if we're going to talk about that, I'm also bring up my new business podcast. <laughs> Keep an eye out for it. Five percent to greatness. Uh, did my first episode last week with a, a lovely lady called Victoria Lim from Singapore, who runs a dating website over there, and it's a very, very awesome uh, interview. So check that out. In relation to Ghostbusters, yes, I think it is reverse sexist. Why have they just completely duplicated the storyline and just reversed it all with women? It's um, what is going on there? So you're okay. Look, um, I'll answer Doctor Phil's question first before I get to your sub point. But um, the idea that a film that is written and I think directed by a guy. Uh, that portrays men as dumb and vacant. If if reverse sexism is a thing, then Will Ferrell is absolutely, without a doubt, the worst reverse sexist in Hollywood. Because uh, if you go through his entire film history, Anchorman, Step Brothers, Blades of Glory, Talladega Nights, and when he was on Eastbound and Down, and of course Zoolander, I mean, he's vacant and idiotic in every, pretty much every film he's in. So um, I don't know that that's necessarily what you could say this is. Uh, I don't Blades think that... of Glory is such a good movie. <laughs> They're all entertaining <laughs> movies, absolutely. Um, but you know, just, be- just you know because what else a... is an entertaining movie. Um, no. Night at the Roxbury. Night I've never at seen the that. I've never seen that one. Oh, hunt that one down. Sorry, I'll cut you off. <laughs> Keep going. Um, yeah. So look, I don't think it is reverse sexist. I don't think that's really a thing. Um, and complaining about it being remade with four women in the lead roles, I, I don't know that that's really an issue, is it? I don't know. Is it just lazy production? They just I... thought, oh, well, let's let's remake Ghostbusters, but we can't just can't do it with guys again. So I don't know. Let's just change it up and just put women in there, and it'd be completely different. Well, I mean, as far as my understanding is that they're not the same exact character types or characters that are being played, and it is fairly different. 
I haven't seen the film yet. I yeah, but to see it. But... I saw I saw Doctor Phil's spoiler in the post, yeah. and uh, it sounds like the ending is very demeaning to men. So, uh, and it has sort of an ending which was similar to my high school story that I said earlier. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Like I said, that doesn't necessarily mean much considering how many comedy films out there have hits to that area. <laughs> right? Like that's, well, it's funny. that's a it's huge funny. It's exactly, funny. It's, it's a huge part of the genre yeah. of comedy comedy, regardless of who's making it. So I don't think you can really point at that and say, Well, this time this time it's bad. I don't know. I think it's a bit of a weak call. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, so you're gonna go watch it? Yeah, I'm going to go see it. I just haven't seen it yet. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't know. I like the original Ghostbusters, although I was terrified of it at the time it came out because I was very much had a problem with nightmares. Um, and anything was enough to give me nightmares. I, I got nightmares watching Monkey Magic on ABC. So, um, yeah, no. I, but I'm okay with it now. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we'll move along. Uh, last question from the crowd. Uh, PAFC66. Uh, it's a bit of a yeah. tough question. It's a little bit provocative, and I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Are this week's changes reflective of Ken Hinckley trying to keep his job? No. I don't think so either. If he was trying to keep his job, he would have probably played... Uh, if he was worried about it, he wouldn't have been playing Brendan Archie. I agree. Because Brendan definitely didn't deserve... Brennan's not in form and definitely didn't deserve selection. No offence to Brennan. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, he would have gone for, I don't know, someone in form like uh, Jesse Palmer, perhaps. Uh, no, or Jimmy I think, Tumpus. I think if, if you're going to say that a coach is trying to keep his job, it's probably more likely to just play experienced players um, over, over young ones. That's usually more what the case is because you're just trying to grind out every win and you want every bit of experience in your side. So it could be argued that Paul Stewart is in that category, but considering he dropped Camo Shea to bring him in, maybe not. I don't know. It's already, mm. like, like I said, it's already a reasonably young side. A lot of young players developing in it already. So I, I don't I don't know that he is trying to keep... I mean, he obviously is trying to keep his job, but I don't think you could point at selections and say that's what's happening, personally. No, and why would he be worried about his job when he got re-signed last yeah, right. year for four years? So All right, um, he ain't going anywhere. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have got another question. Uh, I got sh- Yep. Another question from Screen Chat. Bevan, who is the worst commentator, Luke Darcy or Bruce McAvaney? Nah, Luke Darcy. That's easy. Yeah, I mean, Bruce, I think- Bruce has got the consistency of time on his side. Yes, he's gone downhill a little bit recently. Um, but overall, you know, he's been a, a quality commentator, whereas Luke Darcy has been a blatant port hater his whole time, and he's just not really a quality commentator. Look, I kind of have to agree in that Bruce McAvaney, he is certainly a commentator that irritates me enormously at times, but Luke Darcy is just a total nothing, and I don't know how he's managed to wangle this position There'd be so many ex-players I'd rather listen to than him, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I would be very happy to see Luke Darcy go because I just don't think he adds anything. Mm. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Who are right. the other ones? Like Chris, Christians. Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? The other one would be Christensen. I'm not a big fan of him either. No, no, no. You know who I'm talking about? No, <laughs> off the top of my head. No, I need to see his mark. Well, maybe he's not on anymore. 
It was on Channel 10. Uh, <laughs> well, we haven't, the footy yeah. hasn't been on Channel 10 for a while. Next. Next, all right. Next. Next. Yeah. All right, well, look, we're getting on the final wrap then, eh? Uh, so, look, uh, I need to know your winning side and the margin and the highest goal for Port Adelaide, please. North Melbourne, 37 points. Uh, Aaron Young, 2.3 goals. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go North Melbourne, 36 points, so that I've got the under. Um, oh, and I'm going to... And I'm going to go with, um, I reckon, Charlie Dixon, just because of his performance against them last time at Gold Coast. And I'll hopefully say Charlie Dixon will get four. Um, because, unfortunately, I think it's possible he'll get four and we'll still lose. So um, I don't think it's a contradiction. Uh, who's your immediate this week, Rick, for Port Adelaide, first of all? Mm. Can you give me the definition on that again? Um, someone that uh, you don't necessarily expect them to do well, but they might have one out of the box and you go, wow, fantastic. So it's just a surprise player. Brendan Archie. Yeah, that would Brendan be absolutely Archie, qualifying. Yep, that's fair yep. enough. Who's yours? Mine, Sam Gray. Um, absolutely Sam Gray, because I think that this is a sort of environment where he can do fairly well. Um, <coughs> and I don't know that he'll get the highest yep. amount of attention from his opponents, who will probably be very aggressive in terms of their wanting to go forward every opportunity. I think he's got an opportunity. To Does really Lindsay Thomas count? Him. For North um, Melbourne? Well, we're going to name North Melbourne ones, but I think that Lindsay Thomas has such a record against us that I don't think he can count, personally. I think you'll need to name someone else. Well, who's at the North Melbourne side that buddy uh, doesn't perform against us? Jared Waite. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Swallow? Yeah, I don't know, maybe. I don't know. Don't count him. It's tough to pick. What I about mean, Brett I... Harvey? I don't think you can count Brent Harvey. He's torn us apart so many times. What about their runner? Can I nominate their runner? Yeah, go on. Nominate the runner. North Melbourne runner. Okay. He's a, their runner's going to bloody clog up our space at some <laughs> key moment, which is going to cause a turnover and them goal, and us supporters are going to be livid because there'd be no free for it. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the best I can do. You? Um, I am going to say, oh, look, I'm going to go with Jared Waite, like I just suggested. I think that even though he's only kicked one or two goals against us in each game he's played against us since 2007, I think that there's enough talent around him now that he can potentially do a bit more. Um, and I don't know, I don't know yep. that we've got the matchup for him. So I'm going to go Jared Waite for mine. Um, and lastly, you okay. bet the house. So what's the one thing you think is Mate. pretty likely, but you're not sure about, but... You might bet the house on. Recognise it. I got it right last week, didn't I? What, what did you say? That we wouldn't kick more than two goals in succession. Ah. Uh, I don't know. Did that happen? Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, do we have to? Do we have to go to afl.com and check it out? No, I'm, I'm pretty not, sure. I'm not debating it. I'm just not <laughs> sure because I didn't keep track of that. And I, I noticed Armand got one massive hit, yeah. took one hit. I can't. I, I think I said three, but um, I'm pretty sure he, uh, yeah, he took one big blow. So mm. hey, I've got to, I've got to ride this wave because um, it doesn't happen very often for me. No. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon I'm right. I don't okay. think we kicked more than two goals in a row. Yeah, fair enough. There you go. I finally got one. Well, what's yours? What are you betting the house on this week? Uh, look, I'm going to bet the house on 
Jake need being phenomenally chasey, um, but still not getting a goal, but maybe getting 15 touches and managing to stay in the side again next week. <laughs> I think we'll see what we saw against Carlton. He will just be the guy that runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. And if you're watching on TV, you may see him pop up occasionally, but I think at the game, I'll see him just consistently running. Um, and it will be hard to drop him if he keeps doing that. So that's my that's my bet the house. I don't reckon I don't reckon he's going to lapse off or anything like that. I think he's going to be really hard running. But I don't think we're going to. Does Jake Does Jake Mead give hope to all those athletes out there that have got no football ability that they can actually get a game of football? Um, I don't think he does because there's plenty of athletes playing AFL that don't have his awareness, and that's where they fall down. Um. Like the fact, he, he's not just running, but he's running to useful places, and you need to know how to play football to do that. So, you know, I, I don't reckon that's... Oh, but I thought, you were, I thought you were bagging out on him for his lack of output. Yeah, I'm bagging on him for his lack of output, but I don't think that's dictated by his play. I think it's dictated by things, other factors like midfield supply, his build versus tall defenders when the ball comes in at weird angles and not to his advantage, you know, all that sort of stuff. But that's the same problems that Dixon has a lot of the time is how the ball's delivered to him. So um, I just think that mm. I think that the ball will come down our end and I think he'll probably try and get near it, but I just don't think he'll better get on the scoreboard. So that's mine. Right. Cool. Yeah. Now, Mine's going to be that Chad, Wing- Chad Wingard's going to take Mark of the Year nomination. Oh, okay. Really? Because nice. he hasn't really shown it all year, and I reckon he's going to surprise us. That would be pretty good. That would be pretty good. That would be all right. Awesome. Yeah. That's now, what were we going to say? I've completely forgotten. <laughs> I think I was oh. going to mention something about how apparently Macu is very upset with our uh, selections, but I didn't see if he replied to that. So, Macu's not happy. That's all I'm going Did to he? say. Mac, yeah, he's not happy with the. Macu's not happy. Yeah, I know, right? It's surprising. Right. He's starting to fire up in his old age, young Macca. I guess so. I guess so. He's, get, he's, he's, he's drawing a line in the sand with the selection committee, and I guess we'll hear about it uh, next week, uh, what his so, thoughts are. But, um, yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you honestly, right? Yep. Do you honestly think we're going to make finals? No. No, definitely not. I mean, no. Okay. So... Tim Ginever, when he comes on this show, yeah. always tells stories on how, as I cough, how angry the supporters got at any loss. Yeah. Right? Any loss. Mm. And what's the mantra that I've been banging on about since about round seven and everyone keeps ignoring it? What's, what do you, have you noticed what I kept pointing out to people? Oh, I don't We're going to make two. Two final series in nine years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, fair enough. Yep. Right? Now, to me, that is not Port Adelaide. Yeah. And this is just being ignored by the majority of the supporters. Uh, I do not have the answer. I'm not saying the board needs to be sacked and everything, but I think as supporters... We're, we're letting the spin of public perception by the club get in the way of the actual results on the footy field. And we've obviously got glaring issues at our footy club. I mean, if you want to play with the statistics, you can say, OK, Rick, we made three final series in, um, in 10 years, but that was one of the most horrendous moments in our history. Hence, I say two and nine. And even three and 10 
is still shocking anyway. And I, but I think as supporters, we we need to start making everyone at the club more accountable for the last decade. You know, we're now into our longest period without winning a grand final. Now, you know, again, we're letting this just slip under the carpet and it's going off the radar. And it even happens on the forum because I've been bringing it up all year on the forum and I feel like it's tumbleweeds. No one actually comments on it or wants to talk about it. And, you know, but where are we, where are we going as a footy club? It's great to have this family culture, but I feel like we've lost our ruthlessness in the AFL competition. Um, well, I agree. Uh, and that's probably why you see me act up every off-season when we don't lift hard enough and we don't trade hard enough um, and we draft players that, yeah. don't, that don't meet an end. I think, I mean, because that's where it's won and lost, you know? Um, and I think that we lose sight of that. Like, back in the old days, you know, when you had the Air Peninsula full of players for us every week, uh, that we could just go and say, hey, we want to poach this guy. You know, obviously you have much, much, much more control over list management. You can recruit a lot more on character than it is easy to do now. Um, and uh, I think that's where, we, where we've fallen down. Just while I remember, because it was something I was going to mention a couple of weeks ago, I looked through the under-18s list to see how many of the Nord players came from the Air Peninsula, and there's not a single one um, in, the SA, in the SA state side this year. Uh, that's pretty poor, isn't it? What are they doing? Are they wasting the whole Air Peninsula? Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, well, they're, they're probably not going out there. <laughs> they're probably not. They're probably not. But that just astounds me that there wasn't it's, a single single one, not not a single one in that SA, uh, SA under eighteen side. So hopefully that's just a freak occurrence. But gee, you know, fifty game. Anyway, um, back on point. Yeah, I, look, I agree that there's more that we should be doing, and I think unfortunately a lot of it has to be done in the off season and in contracting. Yes, mm. but I also think we need to look at our scouting. We, yep. look, we need to look at our training techniques, our player development. Um, you know, I mean, Mel watching the footy the other last week, she was like, why do Hawthorne have more players on the field? <laughs> and I said, it looks like Hawthorne. And I, I said, well, it looks like Hawthorne's got more players on the field because they've got so much better systems and yeah. structures, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, that's, they were able to, at the right times, they were able to pull their zone, uh, our zone apart by moving the players in the right direction. You, they've got their, uh, their nominated um, uh, players that only go up for marks. You don't see Sam Mitchell going up for a pat mark ever, you know. So we're, where's our routine? Where's our structure? And, and what does our football represent anymore? And, I mean, these are the questions that KT should be answering. And he gets, he gets away with it. And it makes me angry that as a supporter base, we're letting them get away with it. And don't, mask, don't let the, the mask of, or the masquerade of our off-field performance, which is performing a little bit better because of Adelaide Oval, um, get in the way of the actual facts that we're going to be making two final series in nine years and we've underperformed again in the last two years. That's my rant. I'm angry. I agree. Absolutely. And Jimmy Beercans is on Spreaker Chat and he said he agrees too, or rather that we are all aware, mate, which is probably fair enough. Uh, well, yeah. let's start talking about it, Jimmy. Let's bring it up. We need to flush this out. Right? It's, it's all too much happy land out there, Jimmy. I'm not happy. I'm grumpy. 
I'm worried that you I want to see the friggin' finals, man. Hey? I'm worried you won't be able to get to sleep now. Why it up. Yeah, I've been detoxing off of sugar for two weeks. I haven't eaten red. Are you, I don't know, God knows how long. Are, are you calming down, Rick? Oh, God. Just for anyone listening, and I'm not actually bleeping him, um, I don't know what's happened there. Anyway, look, it's Ricky is still there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, look, I mean, it, it's. Pretty, I agree with what you said, and I think, look, I think most Port fans would agree that two final series in nine years is not good enough. Um, Jimmy Beerkans has said, I'm not, I'm not happy either, which is true, I would imagine, for a lot of fans for Port Adelaide, but uh, I think that just means that we need to not be quite so Facebooky in our support and continue to be critical and uh, hopefully hopefully the club will rectify themselves. I mean, honestly, I, I think my main concern is how quiet, as you said, KT has been on this issue. Um, hopefully that quietness means that they are working on something behind the scenes. Um, but if we're at this point again next year, then we need a genuine clear out at all levels. KT smart. He's a smart operator. And he's very, very clever at telling us all what we want to hear, yep. but he's not actually telling us the truth, right? So yeah. he's very good at playing the media and diverting us away from the actual root problem and uh, putting it onto other things. Yep. <coughs> and that's that's what I think. And look, he's done a great job in the time that he's been there, and and he's turned us around most definitely. And like John Howard rode the tidal wave of him bringing in the GST. Uh, KT's been able to ride the tidal wave of uh, of Adelaide Oval, um, but the performance and the statistics show that we friggin' suck and we're underperforming, and we need to do something about it. Yep, uh, Jimmy Bencans has said get Voss on his bike now, which I don't know if that's fair, but maybe look, there's probably enough to be said about maybe the support coaches do need a really good hard look at this off-season. Um, some of them have been there for a while now, and I guess we need to look at that potentially. But, yeah, you're right. You're quite right. Yeah. We, I mean, we know that's been the case. You know, like all the revelations that were given to us after Port won the Premiership in 2004 about how these times, you know, they're saying, oh, look, we were, you know, I think Warren Trudeau came out with a whole bunch of things that, you know, they, they basically admitted they'd lied to the fans because they internally, they had the same neuroses that all the fans did. Um I'm sure that's probably happening at the club right now. Hopefully that's happening at the club right now where they're thinking, okay, we need to do this plan. But just because of the way that Kosh and KT do business, they're just not doing it in public, which hopefully is what's happening. It should be what's happening. I think I said it last time I was on as well. I mean, Matthew Broadbread, interview yesterday. Oh, I think, I mean, for crying out, we need a bloody psychologist there that knows how to educate these players on positivity. I'm sick of hearing think, I'm sick of hearing maybe, I'm sick of hearing uh, try, just bloody do and will and can. I mean, just using those words instead of think, maybe, hopefully, will make a powerful difference. I don't, I don't think the players actually believe either. So uh, we need to clean out the psychologist and get another one in there. It's just a, um, I'm angry. Yeah, you're very angry, and also very negative. And I think, Rick, I think I think I need you to give us something positive to round out the podcast for the night. <coughs> Some, something positive. Yeah, uh, I do think I do think that will uh, turn it around in 2017, 
when we have a full complement of players, and uh, I think we can be competitive for the top eight. Okay. Yes. Is that positive enough? It's positive enough. I, I, if I'm, if I'm, I'll try a positive one now, which is I'm positive that we will be heavily involved in this year's trade period and that hopefully we'll be picking up a few picks along the way and we will do the right things that we need to do to bring our depth at SNFL level uh, across the areas where we are weakest, back up to speed, and then hopefully if we get injuries next year, we will be actually be able to cope with them. And hopefully Ryder will come back fit. So, hmm. Yes, he's a big loss. He's a big loss, huge loss for us. So Another... Another positive is tax season's really busy, so um, oh, it's uh, come on, come on down or get your tax done. Don't wait too long, wherever you go, and uh, yeah, I think I think people are getting refunds. Everyone's happy, so um, hey. yeah. There you go. There's there's some more positivity for you. Tax isn't positive. For I joined me. another board. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on the board. Yeah, I'm on the board for the Entrepreneurs' Organisation now, so well, there's another positive. Okay. Yeah. So, Look. I'm the ironically I'm the I'm the communications chair. Fantastic. Who would have thought? <laughs> I'm in charge of I'm in charge of typos and communication. Ah, you refer. All right, well, look, that's very good, Rick, and congratulations. Um, but look, we're going to wrap the podcast up now because I think we're meandering a little bit too far. Um, so thanks for everyone listening in. Yeah, just a little bit. I know a lot of people are probably watching the game that's on right now, which uh, I'm not going to give an update on because that would be really crappy if someone is listening live. Um, but uh, well, what yes. is the, what's the score? I'm not going to say on the podcast. Uh, all right, moving along. So uh, I guess this week... We'll just have to hope. I'll be going to the game and hopefully, oh, catch, what a some hopefully catch some good Pokemons Jeez. and uh, we'll see how it goes. But um, go Port Adelaide. Go Sydney. Rick. Butcher. Are you going to say One point. Port? You haven't even mentioned Port yet. Come on. Come on, Swans. Rick. Port. Okay, no, Go Port.